Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Vodka O'Clock, and I hope all the vodka tears are doing well and properly recovered. Um, this is Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com, and joining me today is uh, co-host Ashley is, is on the line. Hello. And we're talking with Jenny Wood, who's got a brand new comic coming out from 215 Inc. The comic is called Flutter. So, uh, Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're going to have a little bit of spoilers, but nothing to ruin the reading experience of Flutter. But it, uh, there is something that ties into mainstream comics, and in particular the Amazing Spider-Man issue that came out, that um, will be spoiled. Um, I, I didn't read the book, but I asked around what was going on because it's such a um, controversial book. So in a, in a strange uh, turn of events, it sort of ties into something that's happening in Flutter, so I wanted to talk about that. So, slight spoilers. Um, so, Jenny, explain here to everybody what Flutter is, just your your elevator pitch. Flutter is about a girl who shapeshifts into a boy to get the girl, and then the chaos that comes from pretending to be someone she's not. Okay, and so that's... Um, you've got like that as a as your your central focus but at the same time you have all of these other issues that uh end up coming into play regarding you know the the government right off the bat is arguing about marriage equality in the book and um all sorts of other relationship considerations to go through so it's sort of so you've got this one hook and then you've got all of these other complicated issues that that surround that one story. So it's it's going to be um, pretty impressive. How many issues are planned? Well, the first graphic novel is coming out on 215 Inc. It's, it's actually available today for pre-order, and it's going to be released on February 15th. And that's uh, 110 pages. It's five chapters. And I have two more uh, graphic novels planned, so we're going to do a trilogy. Um, I already have an ending in mind, so I know where I'm going while writing it, and I'm writing uh, volume two right now. Okay. Um, Ashley, did you watch the um, the Lana Wachowski acceptance speech? I did, and it's so funny because I had actually never, I'm really showing my um, bad, I just, I had never heard of her before, um, so it was really interesting to see that, and then when I think what was it the, the Matrix right right the, they did the Matrix and I was like oh wow I had no idea because I'm completely unaware of creative teams behind these um, these properties and so it was really cool to see that and I'm pretty sure I cried during watching that speech oh yeah I absolutely did I, and I've watched it a couple of times um, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm trying to adjust with our brand new equipment here um, Jenny did. Did you have, obviously you've probably started this story quite a while ago and everything, but was there a role model before Lana Wachowski that you were able to publicly look towards and say there's people have gender issues and there's somebody out there that's... I I didn't look much further than myself because... um, um, I've always, I grew up in a small town in North Carolina that was very conservative. Um, and I, I grew up as a, as a lesbian and I grew up uncomfortable in my own skin and I didn't come out like most people until college. Um, but I knew 
as early as elementary school, I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel comfortable. Um, I felt like an outsider. I felt like a spy, yeah, you know, whether I'm in the gym locker room. I felt like at any point the FBI or someone was going to break in and be like, you don't belong here. So I never felt comfortable in my own skin. Um, so that's where a lot of flutter comes from. It, it, you know, there's a character and she's not comfortable with who she is. And she feels like she could be happier as someone else. And that comes, I, I spent a lot of time as a teenager and even earlier with a lot of uh, my cousins who were all male. And I would watch them, you know, play football and, and get the girl. And I used to work at a movie theater. And my, my, the cousin I was closest to would come in with this girl that I liked and I, I, on a date. And I, I would get so angry. And at the time, I didn't even realize why I was angry. Um, but I wanted to be him. Um, and it's taken me a long time to get comfortable in my skin and get comfortable with who I am, but that's where the root of Flutter comes from. And I do wish there were, um, you know, more role models in terms of just uh, transgender. Um, you know, we've got a lot of uh, gay and lesbian role models, and obviously Chaz Bono is huge um, as a role model out there. But when I started flutter, it really came from within. It came from my personal struggle. And, um, what was the reaction, you know, growing up in a small town? How was your family's reaction? I didn't come out to them until uh, I trip home from college and really my, you know, my mother's big concern, I think a lot of parents' big concern is they want us to be safe. They want us to be careful, especially because I was going to school in Chicago. So here I was in a big city. So my mother was afraid of, you know, some type of abuse that I would experience. But, you know, obviously it's nothing compared to the, the discrimination you get in a small town. So, you know, I, I reassured her, but they were they were OK with it. Okay, that's good. One of the, the things that uh, in Lana Wachowski's speech that will bring everybody to tears, if it doesn't, you have no heart, Right, um, is when she talks about her mother and how they, they go out to lunch and her mother is super friendly and has to talk to every, you know, every waiter in, in, the, you know, in the place and introduces herself. And she's like, hi, and this is my daughter, Lana, and how we just came out and, um, you know, here this woman was obviously going through her own adjustments with her daughter. And, you know, but she was making that step to say, you know, hey, kid, I'm here. You're, you know, you're still my kid. And that's, I think that's such, so amazing because I, I literally met a man at a party who I like never want to see again in my life because his, his son was there. And some, I don't know how we even got on the topic of sexual orientation, but he said something about if his kid is gay, he, he would never, he would disown him. And I was just baffled. I'm like, I can't imagine how you unconditionally love someone for so many years and then just go, you, you know, you mean nothing to me. Yeah. It breaks my heart when I hear stories about that. And I mean, my own coming out more or less to my family as being bisexual. My mom is still sort of in denial the one day she's like so is there a chance you still like boys like, obviously you don't understand how this works <laughs> yeah I just never bothered I just brought you home <laughs> and I kind of just stayed <laughs> just like this is it I don't believe I really just it's not one of those things I'm not like a celebrity I don't need to make any kind of stand Wait, to... I mean that's a, I never was like I never made a, an official declaration I just 
my family was just like, so, you and, and Amber, like, yeah, what, what of it? Um, what I find interesting, though, about, about this character in Flutter Lily is because she has this supernatural ability, these, these sort of superpowers, if you will, to shapeshift, it's fluid for her. So she can change her mind. She can go back and forth. And that is not something that, you know, our, our real human bodies get to do at this particular time in 2013. So um, it's, it's a bit different than just discussing um, orientation where, you know, people have a certain ability and control of themselves where they can hide who they are. Um, but when you're talking about how you physically appear, I think Lily's got quite an advantage here <laughs> with her superpowers. Um, and yet it's not a, it's not a spandex and capes superpower X-Men type book at all. Um, no. And I, yeah, I didn't want it to be. Um, the more I, when I started fleshing out the story, I, I realized it's going to be darker than that. It's, it's not going to be the standard superhero. And then I really, it really started to come to life when Jeff McComsey got involved with the art and his earliest sketches, uh, it just I, it really started to take shape and become uh, almost instantly. It was a, a complete fifty-fifty uh, collaboration. The world he created was exactly what I had in my head, and if not better, which is what Jeff does with with all of his work, um, all of his collaborations. He just he's just able to take your idea and 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 flesh out exactly what you want with the art and then go even further with it, which is amazing. So he helped create the look and feel of Flutter, obviously with the art and, and make it uh, darker and, and kind of get away from that standard superhero look. Right. I believe that the, you know, for me anyway, the emotions were there where this is, this is what you get when you cross a, a real life story and real life emotions. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of reading, Alison Bechdel's Are You My Mother? And even with her art style, because I really love her cartoon style, um, the, the, her, her narration to me isn't the best. But if you take her truth and her honesty and mix it with something like X-Men, who are always having sort of, you know, growing pains, and they always tackle things in Marvel at a, at a, a real teenage level, even if they're with their older characters, they're always doing relationship uh, storylines and um, just uh, adapting to their powers kind of storylines and stuff like that. So it's sort of like if you take the best of both worlds of the of indie and of mainstream and you fuse them, fuse them together here, um, you and Jeff have really got, you, they, you've created this magical happy place in between these two, <laughs> these two different comic industries. Thank you. I, I like to hear that it's a happy place. Yeah, I well, that was my impression. Uh, um, you know, you start off really bold in, um, as I said, with this this governor, who um, automatically you have a female governor. That's not something that we even see every day yet. And you've got a female governor who's on her her soapbox talking about marriage equality and and how she believes it's one man and one woman. And um, so you know, sort of who you're, almost to the bad guy of the story might be. Um, and at the same time, Lily is obviously it's more important for her to um, sort of be introspective and not really look 
not really care about, <laughs> about things at that level yet, at least not in this preview that's up on the uh, 215 website. Right. Well, I tried to, you know, clue it and key into that teenage mind of nothing is really important but your own world, like what's in front of you, the girl or the boy, um, or just what's right in front of you. Like at 15, you don't really care about these large, they don't, they don't matter to you in your world or so you think. At least that's how I was, I think, at 15. That's, that's how I was too. And then I, you know, I see these remarkable kids who really are in tune with politics and I just didn't understand why they cared so much. And, um, but there were, there were definitely a few in my school who, who cared that much and were, uh, you know, I just didn't, I, you know, I didn't think that people could make any kind of difference. And I still, to an extent, don't. I mean, we were louder. We have, like, you know, social media and, um, you know, perhaps traveling is easier. I don't know if it really is, but getting getting out there and signing petitions online instead of the thought of when people had to take clipboards around to really launch campaigns to get anything done in your government. You had to go door to door with clipboards to get petitions signed. They still do that. Yeah, and because you're required to have so many signatures in order to even bring something up. Yes. So I'm pretty, you know, always wondering when I see these links on Twitter about um, petitions to the White House. I'm like, do these really count? Like, I'm really, I really don't even know if those count. Um, but in Flutter, when you also, um, so you've got these relationship issues with gender, and you also have uh, characters of different ethnic backgrounds. So um, I, I don't even know what growing up in North Carolina would be like because I'm from New Jersey and I was in a pretty lily white area. So I, I don't know, um, was that something that you felt was lacking in comics or was it just based on real experiences? A bit of both. I, I, I feel like more and more it's represented in comics and in pop culture, but still lacking, and also from personal experience. Um, I, growing up in the small town, it was predominantly you know, just white all around me, so I definitely noticed anyone who was a little bit different and, and felt immediate empathy with them. So I'm drawn to, I've always been drawn to, uh, to that, you know, for lack of a better term, misfits, the island of misfit toys. I've always felt like that. So and I'm always drawn to anyone who, who is put in that position because they're not like everyone else. Yeah, it was um, something that when I was uh, working on Shakespeare Shaken, uh, going through the editorial process and characters got cut out and got merged together and stuff, my, my writing partner, Kristen McHugh, said, she's like, uh-oh. He's like, we lost all of our color. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And, and she just, she's like, our characters, all of the characters that got cut out were our minority characters. We need to fix this. So it's like, oh, okay. So it was like by revision three, we had reworked so many, so many of the characters to get some diversity back into the story. Um, and people, people complain about it still daily that there isn't as much diversity. And then when somebody, uh, comes along and and makes a big change there's it's not a necessarily a best seller like princeless um princeless you know thank goodness got um recognition for being such an indie book 
but you know here they have a you know a little African American uh, princess who's gonna you know sort of buck the traditional princess roles and and do what she wants. Um, so once in a while, a book comes along that'll try it, and um, you know. But then if you look at the shelves, you still see what the best selling books are, and it's the same thing over and over again. It's still Batman. It's still Spider Man. Um, and, you know, one of the things about Spider-Man that happened, geez, I can't even remember, was it 2011 when in Ultimates, I think it was, Miles Morales, so a Hispanic, I guess, teenager came along to become Spider-Man, and it was, like, a really big deal, and it's, people tried to say that it really wasn't about ethnicity at all, they just, if it's not Peter Parker, it's not Spider-Man, so, um, when you have these iconic characters, I think it's just too hard to make changes to them and make the readers happy when you're, you know, selling thousands upon thousands of copies and franchises and movie deals and all that. Um, with Blutter, was, is there, um, cause I see in your pictures, you, you know, you seem to be very involved in music. So are there other artistic avenues that you're looking to bring Flutter? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I've toyed around with doing like a prose series because I just finished writing my first novel um, and it's being shopped around right now. And along with the novel, and the the novel has a transgendered protagonist too. So I that's definitely a topic I'm obsessed with. And what I'm also doing with the novel is the novel has original songs in it. So actually, this coming weekend, I'm recording the songs that go with that novel. And I've thought about doing something like that with Flutter too, because, and this isn't a spoiler of any, any major sort, but um, the, a lot of the characters in Flutter volume one do form a band. And I'm like, maybe I could incorporate songs in that and do a CD with that as well. So I'm, I'm playing around with things as I flesh out and finish writing volume two and, and volume three. We'll see if uh, something like that comes up. But that would be fun. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. I think that sort of um, the transmedia, if you will, um, is it's almost expected now. Like I love Two and Five Inc. has uh, has trailers for many of their titles over on YouTube, which just uh, launched. So if you go over to there, you can sort of get introduced to so, to a lot of their books. And it's just um, you know it's just another way of discussing a storyline. So it's just uh, mixing mixing things together, and um, I like that, you know, even if it's not a flutter prose, you're somehow still, um, you know, working in what what it is that you want, you feel that you need to discuss and get out there. And it's something that I saw in your Twitter feed. You said, it's not that Jenny likes to write, Jenny has to write, or she goes and talks <laughs> smash. <laughs> it happens. It's you know, it's the whole thing of if I go one day without writing, I know it. If I go two days without writing, my significant other knows it. If I go three days, the world knows it. And I do turn into the Hulk. And it's something that, you know, you know, if you have any creative pursuit, if you write it, you have to get it out or you start to go a little nuts and turn into the Hulk. Yeah. For me, it's, I'm, I'm very jealous of people who can, keep steady because I sort of go in these bursts like if I'm working on a costume or something it's usually a marathon and and Ashley's been there and (laughs) it's like you know eight to nine hours in a in a sewing room 
with all of the the cutting and everything looks like a you know looks like a hurricane went through the room with the debris and um but that's more how i'm how i feel productive is in a marathon type mode like that and then it's like okay i can not sew now for like a month (laughs) (laughs) i think that's important to know how you work because you always hear you know write the same time every day and write for at least an hour a day and a lot of people don't work that way you have to know how you work and if you work best in a, in a marathon form then get it all out and then you take some time away from it so it's about knowing how you work and, and just doing your doing it doing it your way so when did you start to write I started writing in junior high school actually I started writing oddly enough in teleplay form I took all my friends and created fictional characters and started this like this like you know teenage soap opera with them in, in fictional form and I would write like an episode a week and, and type it out and take it into school and pass it around and I think the the biggest highlight early on was walking by an English class and seeing like three people reading what I what I was writing instead of listening to the teacher so that was a highlight that's when I was like oh maybe I have something here people are actually going to read it that's pretty cool um I know Ashley started with with poetry I think I think a lot of I don't know if it's just a girl thing in (laughs) traditional sense I think girls are girls are really into their poetry at a young age I yeah I started writing poetry as a way to you know deal with with life and it's so funny you know you Jenny had people reading what you were writing as, whereas I had people making fun of me for my writing. So, How old were you? I, um, let's see, it's seventh grade, so 12, 13, something like that. Um, yeah, and I had all the, you know, the boys and, and their friends making fun of me because I would give my notebook to my English teacher to, you know, for her to look at and, and comment and critique, and they all made fun of me, and it's just made me want to write more that's well that's a great I mean if that's your impulse that early on that's awesome I don't know what it is about poetry especially at that age it makes people uncomfortable it's uh, you know I'm not sure because when you think about it in terms of lyrics uh, that's something that's everywhere I mean almost everybody at some point you're hearing music even if it's a commercial jingle you're you know you're you get music and words together but yet, when you take just the words themselves, I don't know. There's just this this weird, I don't know, shell over it where people think it's pretentious or um, self-involved. Maybe the raw emotion of poetry makes people uncomfortable, especially at that age, especially boys. They can't deal with just that, like, pure emotion that comes from a lot of poetry, too. I mean, that could be part of it. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of mine was very emotional because I was dealing with a lot of family things. And I think at one point my teacher actually became a little bit concerned and, and you know, spoke to the principal. And then he called my mom and then my mom got all concerned. And I was like, guys, it's just, you know, it's better that I'm writing than doing other things. So, I don't know. And it even um, comes back to this character, Lillian Flutter, in where she she journals and I loved to journal and um 
you know, that's, you need, especially if you don't have somebody to talk to, you, you know, you're just sort of getting that out of your, your body and it's out there. Um, so I love that you included that in who she is as a person. Yeah, I remember that too, needing to get that. Because when you're in a small town and you know there's something about you that's quote unquote not right and you can't talk to your friends about it or anyone, the journal's the only place you can go. And that becomes your best friend and it becomes a relief. So I wanted to get that in there because, you know, Lily has a, a father who cares about her, but she knows, she senses, you know, something's different about her and she can't, she, She's afraid to talk to anyone. So the journal's the obvious place for her to go to. And I wanted to get that in there. And I thought Jeff did a great job illustrating. It's like the perfect girl journal. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the doodles. You need to have doodles and you know, curly cues. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely perfect. How did you and Jeff partner up? We met through a mutual friend, Jorge Vega. And Jorge Vega actually teaches at Grub Street, which is a, a writing center here in Boston that is just amazing. I've lived in Chicago and L.A., and I, I have not found any place like Grub Street in any other city. Um, Grub Street was, they held a, they have a lot of different classes, everything from poetry to screenwriting, playwriting, novel writing, and they were having a graphic novel writing class. And I had never written comics before, even though I'd written and other genres. I just wanted to get the basics down, so I took it, and Jorge Vega taught this class, and as I fleshed out Flutter, he's like, you know who would be a good fit for this would be my friend Jeff, and Jeff and Jorge had worked on some projects together. One was called Nine Months, and I, I saw the first comic of that and loved the art, and I approached Jeff about working together, and he loved the idea. What I loved about Jeff is I do a lot of pre-writing. I had written a lot of uh, character sketches, character biographies, you know, what astrological sign and, and, and what's their favorite food, what's in their fruit, all those writing things that is never going to come out in the comic, a lot of it. And Jeff wanted to see all of that. He wanted to see all of my notes, which I thought was amazing. Um, he was invested in it from the beginning. And, it, you know, as I was rushing to finish, or not rushing, but working really hard to finish the first volume, it would be Friday night at 11.30 at night, and, you know, I, I used to play in bands and bartend. I'm not used to be writing at 11.30 on a Friday night. I'm used to being out, and I, I would sit and think, I'm crazy. I'm crazy for working on this, and I'd get sketches. Jeff would email me sketches at the same time, Friday night at 11.30, PM and I'm like, wow, I'm in this with someone. Someone's invested in this with me. And that's just an amazing feeling. It is. It's, um, you know, I love hearing stories about how people's creative teams come together. Um, a lot of times it's just, oh, we met at a convention and started talking and, you know, but, um, the fact that people can be basically, uh, you know, across the planet from each other and they still find each other. It's, you know, it's just, uh, it's a cool thing about comics that that's how, you know, teams, teams are made up so completely differently and, and uniquely. But I love um, that Je Jeff also did the colors on Flutter and the colors so stunning. Um, was that something that he um, 
really consulted you on or did you just uh, turn it over and say, hey, I trust you because, you know. Well, I asked him if he wanted to do the colors and he did. Jeff, uh, like, that's another thing we have in common. He just is very hands-on. He wants to do it all. Um, he, he wants, he wanted to do the lettering and he wanted to do the coloring. So when it came time to, to do that, I'm just like, go. And he showed me the first few pages that, uh, I think he showed me the first three or four pages that he did. And I love the limited color palette he's using. And I was just like, just go with it. It's like, there's a lot when you know, you have the, the right collaboration when there's just so much trust there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and the palette is, like you said, it's really beautiful. And when her powers are activating these, uh, this sort of, very, you know, what what we think of in our modern age as traditionally girly pink colors come out, and yet, uh, like, pink was a masculine color I, until, I think, 1920-something. Like, you know, pink, yeah. pink was a boy color. Isn't that interesting? You could do the history of pink. Yeah. And so I I love that that's how, you know, he chose to represent her, her gender shifting. Right. Um. But um, one of the things that, and this this is the only thing that might be spoilery and hopefully not triggery, um, but I wanted to talk about some, a sort of sensitive topic, um, getting back to something that came up in mainstream comics in Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 700, um, all, there was all this commotion on Twitter going on. So I asked um, a friend of Ashley's from another podcast what was, you know, hey, you know, I'm not going to pick up the book anytime soon so just tell me what's going on and what he explained to me was that um so this is this is big spoilers you can like you know skip ahead if you need to here but he said that um doc ock who's one of the spider-man villains if you don't read mainstream or haven't seen the movie um that doc ock and peter parker change bodies and when this happens um peter's ex-girlfriend mary jane you know, wants to reconnect with him and wants to reconcile. And so here she's making these moves on the Peter Parker body that is Doc Ock. And people are saying, okay, if this goes as far as it's supposed to go and they get sexually involved, he's raping her because he's lying to her about who he really is. And to me, it's not a cut and dry thing like that because A, we're talking about a level of science that doesn't exist yet. Uh, and um, it's not the same thing as, oh, you have twins and one's manipulating, you know, a third party. It's, you know, it's different because of this sort of high, unbelievable scientific level of people actually switching bodies. Um, so here in Flutter, Lily is shape-shifting into this perfect guy um, in order to win over Saffron. And um, I wondered if that ever came, like, sort of was brought up to you, either, you know, I don't know about editorial or if it was something that any of your beta readers came up to you and said, you know, this is really um, a slippery slope. No, actually, I didn't get that response. I have gotten some responses from from women at comic conventions who are like, well, why does she have to change into a guy to get the girl? I'm like, well, that's her learning process. I haven't gotten, I think probably because um, there's no sleeping together in, you know, 
this is not a huge spoiler because the first chapter is out there online for people to read for free, but there's no sex in the first chapter. Um, and so there's not, that's maybe that's why it didn't come up. I don't know. It, it's an interesting debate. I agree with you. I don't think it's that black or white. Um, but I did have some readers who were like, wow, she's doing something really crappy. She's pretending to be someone we're not, or she's not. But I think as teenagers, and, and a lot of my readers got this, you, not even just teenagers, they, I think as humans, a lot of us pretend to be someone we're not, especially early on in dating. And I kind of wanted to, to touch, you know, to tap into that. When you first start meeting someone, especially when you're young and immature, you, you do pretend to be someone you're not. So in a, in a way, I have, it comes across as a little more innocent, and she's just naive and immature and, and doesn't like who she is. But it's a very interesting um controversial conversation that the Spider-Man's bringing up. Yeah, it, it is. And um, like you said, because Lily is so, she's just so young and, and she's doing it out of innocence that um, I, I just, I, I, I empathized with her more, even though I was at the, you know, I was thinking, wow, she's kind of being douchey about this. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but, you know, she, she looked at the situation. She's like, okay, I can't make Saffron gay. So right. how can I make Saffron love me? I'll change me. Um, and, you know, so it was, it's just such a, it's such a cool approach. And I, and I think it's a great conversation starter to have. Um, because it, when you think about, yeah, how we change every day, I mean, I, I don't know if, in, you know, you guys are like me at all, but, I hate to leave the house if I don't have my makeup on because I don't want to end up on like, you know, the people of Walmart page. <laughs> I will not leave my house without at least eyeliner on or else I look like a zombie and I don't want anybody putting a bullet in my head for that. Yeah. So it's just one of the, yeah, we always, um, so we're, you know, when you just think about the basic function of, of applying cosmetics, it's like we're immediately presenting ourselves as something we're not. <laughs> And yeah, I love, you know, it's like I love different hair colors and, and you know, every, you know, we're going to a tattoo convention in Philly soon. It's like people are, you know, drastically altering their bodies into what they are not. So I just think it's, you know, there's just such a broad range of tackling that subject. So let's see, we have a little bit of time left, which is cool. So we can um, maybe learn about your writing process here because you said that you do get so much into your character's backstory did you have uh, like a, a traditional editor on Flutter where somebody went through and um, told you or suggested, made suggestions as to what to include and what not to include? No, I, the first chapter that's uh, available for people to read at 215 Inc. is I worked on in the class with Jorge. Uh, we fleshed, I fleshed it out and bounced ideas off of him but after that it was really just Jeff and I going back and forth Jeff read the script and gave me some feedback because Jeff writes too and and I took that and shared it with a couple readers but no uh, standard editor at all it was really Jorge in that class at Grub Street that helped me hammer out initial ideas I, I was initially going to call it Flutter Girl which I had gotten the name from a song by Chris Cornell, who oh. early crush of mine, mm -hmm. and uh, 
Jorge was like, no flutter girl, just flutter. So, you know, he helped me just hammer out those initial you know, big, you know, big hurdles when you're, when you're fleshing out a story and trying to figure out what the story is. But from there, I just, I, I basically worked just with Jeff. Are there print copies available? Print copies are going to be available February 15th and they're available to pre-order now, but on February 15th, it will be available digitally and uh, in print. Okay. So, um, in the marketing, I know 215 Inc. does some, uh, they're sort of on the cutting edge with trying to um, come up with different marketing ideas. Are you going to be including any of this extra content in either the digital or the, the print to sort of make, I don't know, people, there's, again, you know, comics market is going to have controversy. Some people think, you know, get people to buy more digital, put more stuff in that. And other people are like, no, we'll include more in the print because it's costing us so much more anyway. <laughs> we need to we need to make sure that the price pays for itself. We haven't we haven't talked about that yet. That's actually a really good suggestion, a really good idea uh, to include more content. And if we did, in which one? And I, I would go, yeah, let's include more in the print. But then it's going to cost even more because there's more pages. It's, that's an interesting debate. Yeah, I love seeing extra content. I'm one of those people that I watch um, back all of my DVDs with the commentary tracks playing. And uh, when it comes to the comics, I love to see concept art. I just love to see how a character sort of came to life eventually and the decisions that were made. Um, I do too, actually. So I think I'm going to get on that. I've got a little bit of time here. Um, so let's see, Ashley just took a look at Flutter today. This was her, I sort of gave her, uh, you know, like a crash course, like, hey, by the way, go read this and come on the show. Yeah. You gave me 45 minutes to read it and, and prepare myself. I, I um, so I'm just quiet. So I want to, I'm here, so, you know. We didn't, we didn't go out. We <laughs> napped. <laughs> it was pretty, that was, we're such rock stars. We, we were, it was like, what did you do? I'm like, we were asleep by 8 p.m. <laughs> Um, so uh, your your reading tastes are like are so uh, different than mine, at least uh, with with novels. So, what was your uh, you know give us your first impression of Flutter and of the characters and um, how you felt the presentation was? Um, well, I you know after I finished, I I looked at you. I was like, I'm so confused. But you know, then I I thought more about it and. I do really um, enjoy Lily as a character and the fact that she's, you know, changing herself to fit in because it's a very human thing. And, you know, we talked about it from our hair color to our makeup. We're just trying to fit in. And I don't think it's something that's limited to just being a teenager. It's something we, we do until our old, old age. Um, and, you know, it, it seems that Lily moves around a lot, and I moved around a lot myself as a child, you know, staying within New Jersey, unfortunately, but I still moved to different schools and had to find new friends and try to fit in, and um, so I really, um, you know, saw a little bit of myself in Lily, and, um, you know, her parent, her dad doesn't really seem to understand, and she kind of wants she pushes them away to a point, you know, so I pushed my parents away. I 
don't even speak to my father anymore. So again, I, I see a bit of myself in, in Lily. So I'm intrigued to go along on this journey with her. And from the first time that I spoke with Amber about Flutter, I, you know, was intrigued by it. The whole gender role, gender as a, a subject really intrigues me. And I actually just received a book as a gift called Gender Outlaw. I, um, I think it's Kate Bornstein. I, I think that's her name. Um, so I'm excited to read that and and see maybe if Lily fits into any of the categories or, or you know I can see her as a character fit into that book and go on a journey. Yeah, that's actually I'm talking about. Um categories of gender that's something that this is this is why flutter is really fascinating to me and why um, when I saw the Lana Wachowski speech I was just so moved because I didn't understand like I just don't know the psychology of what's going you know going on out there I mean I haven't I I didn't really I never studied psychology I had like an intro class in college Um, so the idea that gender is not binary it's not just these two things it's not just male and it's not just female and there's more of a spectrum this whole concept is new to me and it sounds so alien like but no we have dna and this is what dna says um and usually when it's introduced it's sort of like a almost like an alien life form in some science fiction story but um it's it's just uh, interesting to me that it's becoming something easier to talk about and something that we see more in stories. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool that Flutter is taking this on. I, we've had shape shifting characters in comics forever. You know, um, sometimes they're specifically human to animal things, like you know, Wonder Twins. I think it was which one was it? I think it was the Boy Twin. Um, yeah. You could change to animals or something like that, and Beast Boy changes to animals. And but Mystique, um, to me, is this more fluid character, Mystique uh, from the X Men line, where she she doesn't change into other creatures. She specifically changes, uh, you know, into other human forms. Have they ever like gone into the psychology of that and how that can like mess with her? Because I don't read X Men. So. Yeah, I haven't read X-Men in a really long time, but I don't think so. I think it's just one of those things where it's it's not this this whole idea of gender role isn't doesn't come up. But you know what? I think in Runaways it was. I think Joss Whedon wrote it. Oh, well then, I'm not surprised that it would have came up with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> if somebody's going to write it, it's going to be Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah, I believe there was a character in Runaways. Yeah, so it's nice to see that um, Jenny is giving us a character... That, and we're getting behind a bit of the psychology and, and the emotions that go into, you know, shape-shifting and changing genders. Right. Can I ask where um, where her mother is? Is that too spoilery? Ooh. Um, I don't know. Uh, her mother is in there. Her mother is, uh, well, I mean, I feel like it's, in Chapter 1, if you, you catch it, uh, Chapter 1, it, there's a lot of questions I open up, a lot of things I bring up, and then it's a lot of those questions are answered early on in Chapter 2 because I didn't want the reader to get too frustrated or too confused. 
um, early on, so I do address it. I don't think it's too spoilery because I do think that, that it is there hinted at in Chapter 1 and then addressed very early on in Chapter 2, but the governor is her mother. Okay. Because yes, I win. I still kind of figure that out. <laughs> she, did. she goes, look at these. She's like, look at the art. She's like, they really look alike. <laughs> That's why I address a lot of things early on in Chapter 2, because I don't want that re- the reader to be spending too much time guessing or too much time. I, I don't want to frustrate or alienate the reader. You know, I want to be, as a writer, I, I like to be a good host to the reader. You know, invite them into this world and just be a good host. So, uh, Chapter 1, a, 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 you know, asks or raises too, you know, a lot of questions that then I try to, I don't address them all in chapter two, because that would get, uh, you stop reading, but I address some of the big ones, and um, yes, Lily's mother is the governor, which is, uh, you know, and she's she's a big proponent for um, marriage being between a man and a woman, so it sets up this uh, struggle within this woman who's the governor, um, you know, to come to terms with that when, when she realizes her daughter is gay. And I, that's not a spoiler, I don't think. I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with the mother, with the governor. Um, I, I like uh, you know, really strong, powerful women. So I based her a lot on Hillary Clinton, obviously, and um, Zeppi Levney, who's a, a very strong Israeli leader who's very uh, much in support of the the two-state solution with Palestine, which is why she's not uh, prime minister there, but um, I, she's just a very strong woman, and, and I, I wanted to have that. That was probably really important to me early on with Flutters. I wanted the mother to be very flawed, but to, to be a very strong woman and, and to be well-meaning in a lot of areas. And just as I wanted to address diversity in people, and where they come from, I wanted to address diversity of, of ideas and points of view. So, you know, it's not not all just my political point of view or agenda in, in this comic. There's other points of view, too. I think that's incredible. I mean, the how how global your influences are, because I would expect that from um, I, I didn't get I'm trying to think of where I left off. In Why the Last Man, I think I got up to volume four or five. And because that story itself is political and global, I expect to hear that from, you know, from those creators. But, um, you know, like here you've got such an intimate story, but because there's a political agenda going on, it needs to be... it needs to be discussed and it's coming from somewhere. And I mean, right now I, I have um, my Google news set up for certain keywords to sort of give me those uh, alerts or whatever. And when I just see like what's going on in India with these women is yeah. it's mind blowing that there are just complete cities of women being um, like captured and gang raped. And those those men are the ones that are in charge. Like yes. I'm, just, I'm astonished by this. Like, how does this go on? How does this how you know? And then there's that really awesome pink gang talking about the color pink again. Um, the the pink gang of these like amazing women that just go around and like beat the crap out of anybody who comes near a woman inappropriately. And I just think they're remarkable. And um, 
you know, and then there was, I, I, I'm not even going to attempt the name, but that, that young girl, I think she was 15, who was killed because she wanted to go to school. Was she killed or was she? She was badly injured. Uh, she was shot in the head. Um, but she recuperated. They had to take her. They t- took her to England. Um, and she she was in critical condition for a long time, but she recovered. Oh, she did. Okay. Because I didn't... I. I uh, know how bad that got. I knew it was. Well, I, I think early report reports even reported her as dead or or in, in very very critical condition. It, it looked like it could have gone that way. I actually have to cover this. Uh, I have to cover that story for work, and I think a lot of Flutter's influence. The, the global thing is, I write uh, news features and current events, and I focus a lot on international events for. For my day job, which is I write and edit for infopolice.com, which is a news education website for Pearson Education. So that's where a lot of this comes in to play too. It's a it's a great way to use the the day job for something other than than uh, than what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I know, like Ashley and I, um, we talk about how every time you know we see an announcement that somebody's having having babies. We go through this, oh, my God, our world is so terrible. Why would somebody bring babies into this world? So, um, do, where do you fall on that? Like, are you just, like, really hopeful that you believe in, um, you know, that people are, are better human beings and we can make a nice world for, you know, I don't know. I mean, you're covering all this tragic stuff. Right. Well, the tragic stuff actually helps keep me out of my own little bubble. So if I'm having a bad writing day with Flutter or with my novel or any other project or just having a bad day, you can't get too down on yourself if you're covering Syria for work. You know, my life is just never going to get that bad, probably, hopefully. So it keeps things into perspective. Um, But generally, I I think I'm such a romantic that that I'm just always hopeful. And, And that's just something that has just been in me always. And so I think... But covering uh, these world uh, events that are really tragic and, and terrible and then having that hopeful, romantic side of me is a nice balance when I can keep it in balance and check. That's just so sweet and adorable. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm, like, trying to hold in the, the awe. Oh, no. <laughs> We're so cynical. We're just like, people suck. <laughs> well, I mean, I have that side of me, too. I have a, a tattoo that it's a heart that's a bitch. So I, I have that side of me too. Um, and I have the cynical, dark, sick and twisted side, uh, on a good day. They're all, they're, they're all balanced out. <laughs> I'm with you guys too. I mean, I do, you know, when, when I read someone's, uh, pregnant, I do, I'm like, ah, you know, you're going to have to send them to school and it's not safe. I do have those, those moments as well. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, so where can people find you on online? And then, uh, you know, are you going to go to any conventions for the new year? Um, because I'm sure our people are going to want to meet you and talk to you. Um, you can find me online at JennyWood.com. And I do keep uh, where what uh, comic conventions I'm going to be at on there. I keep that updated. And I'm on Twitter at JennyWoodAndDid. I'm also on Facebook, Jenny Wood Writer and Flutter the Comic has a Facebook page. And you can, I'm going to be at, for sure I'm going to be at Boston Comic Con and New York Comic Con 
I'm on the fence about Chicago, and I'll probably make it to Baltimore because 215 uh, is going to be at Baltimore, and Jeff will be there with FUBAR. Uh, and the FUBAR American History Z anthology comes out this year, and I have a story in that. So I'd like to go down there and celebrate with those guys. And uh, and 21582, the Vic Boone anthology is coming out this year as well. I have a story in that. I'm very excited. I One of the things that happened in 2012 is I fell in love with Vic Boone. And he got to hang out in his world. <laughs> yeah, I'm so looking forward to more Vic Boone. I know. I know. I, I, uh, I'm actually writing Flutter Volume 2. I, there's a private detective character and I'm like I wish it could be Vic Boone can't they merge worlds for a chapter yeah well that's cool because we are um we're planning on Baltimore so I'm great where else are you guys going this year that's a good question we're trying to um to figure that all out and not do strictly comic shows this year so um with any luck we'll be um you know, sort of experiencing other types of cons. But um, I know, like, C2E2 is sort of, like, on our dream list. I don't know that that's happening. Usually get to Wizard World Philly and Baltimore because they're close. Um, and Baltimore is just, you know, it's a great time to, you know, actually have conversations with people, whereas New York gets very chaotic. We we had, a you know, a good time at the 215 Inc. booth getting to know more of those guys in New York, but it was loud and very crowded and, you know, we never saw them outside the con, so it was just, um, it was hard to even talk to, to people comfortably. It's hard to move. Yeah, the 215 Ink booth, I was there for a while. It was just in the corner. It took me from downstairs at Artist Alley to the 215 Ink booth. It took me like 45 minutes to get there through mm. people. Yeah, exactly. We heard that a lot from people. Right. Um, but, yeah, I hear that about Baltimore. I hear Baltimore is a great con, so I definitely want to check it out this year. So hopefully I'll see you both there. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, we're doing um, – our first show is going to be uh, to celebrate Ashley's birthday. We're going to this tattoo convention in Philly. Yay. Yay. When is that? Uh, February 8th to the 10th. It's the second weekend in February. That sounds like fun. I'm yeah. very excited. I've never been to a tattoo convention before, and yet uh, there was at a uh, there was a comic convention where there was a tattoo booth, where I saw the guys working on the um, the fake skin silicone stuff, and so you know at least I've seen what a booth setup can kind of look like, but she's been planning out a tattoo for like over a year now. And What's the tattoo? It's um it's Wonder Woman's tiara, and it's gonna go around my ankle with um the lasso looped in, and then um. There's going to be the shadow of the eagle symbol. It's, we actually, the po- a post just went up yesterday, I think. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Um, on the site, and it's got um, an unfinished sketch on it. Yeah, so at amberunmasked.com is Ashley's post about um, her collaboration with our artist friend, Buzz Hassan, who's uh, one of the creators on The Living Corpse. He's, his regular job is as a tattoo artist. So it was just one of those things where we were just talking about tattoos what chiller theater or somewhere um wasn't that new york i don't remember I but yeah just we were just sort of like shooting a shit about tattoos and he was just like i'll do it i was <laughs> sounds like a great tattoo yeah it's beautiful so yeah so his his preliminary sketch is up there on on ashley's pose but that's um yeah i'm not sure so we'll, we'll definitely be at baltimore you know providing nothing you know destroys destroys our plans by then 
Um, well, Jenny, thank you so much for, for your time on this uh, New Year's Day. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you, too. Um, to, oh, I wanted to ask you, though, what is, what is the Jenny Wooden did on your Twitter? What does that mean? Oh, I, I, you know, a night out drinking joke that my autobiography was going to be called Jenny Wooden did when I get to that point, and that's where that comes from, just uh, that hopefully at that point when I sit down, not that I, I mean, I'm joking, I don't, I don't think I'm going to write an autobiography, but if I ever did and I got to that point, there's nothing, no stone left unturned, nothing left undone when I sit down to write that. That's where that comes from. Okay. Okay. Oh, I didn't know if it was like band name or something. No, no. I, uh, can never name a band with my name. That just felt too narcissistic. So I always, like, my band in Chicago, we were called Heather's Damage after the movie Heather's. <laughs> so it always has to be a pop culture reference, I think. Cool. All yeah. right. Well, I mean, you know, best of luck. I can't wait to get my hands on the, the full volume one because the, the first issue was tantalizing. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think, and best of luck to both of you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, so don't forget, guys, um, you can find me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber, and you can find Ashley at Smash is Nerdy with underscores between those words. And, uh, of course, check out all of our posts at AmberUnmasked.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye.